Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask, where everyone has something they can teach you. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, examine, question, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Our next guest is Matthew Broster, who was born in a seaside town known as the Garden of England, Kent. After some struggles with his mental health, he decided to leave the UK in 2013 on a one-way ticket to Thailand with just the bag on his back. Since then, Matthew has traveled to many countries and eventually lived in some, but eventually settling in Australia. In January 2016, he met his soul's initial calling and started working in remote indigenous communities, helping indigenous children and families. A few years later, he followed his spiritual calling, writing. He then quit his full-time role as a head indigenous football coach and mentor. Overall, Matthew's spiritual growth, connectivity, and universal lessons have been profound. He has a new book out called Just Imagine. Matthew, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Yeah, yeah, you too. It's um, great for for the invite. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Matthew, you grew up uh, across the pond. You grew up in England. What was that like growing up? Did you have a lot of siblings? Uh, Were you an only child? Yeah, yeah. So growing up, um, it was uh, mainly um, my half brother on on my mum's side. Um, So he's he's um, he's about five years younger than me. Um, Yeah, growing up in England, it was quite. um, I found it. I found it a lot more challenging than what I've found since since travelling. I find that England is um, kind of a little bit more congested. um, You know, smaller sort of roads and space, and um, a little bit more um, of, of a closed kind of box and I didn't realize that until I actually started traveling in when I was 29 but but my upbringing was just the yeah the basic kind of small town you know primary school and did you um grow up where money was talked about a lot did people share their personal bank account information or talk about spending habits I think I think money is just such a just like a like the kind of the biggest survival tool ever known I don't know, growing up, I think money was known as being everything that you need to get to where you are either told you need to go or or that kind of thing. But ra- rather than now, I see money as more of an energy that you can actually utilize in many different ways. And I, growing up, um, I feel that I was led to believe to have a very strong attachment to money. Mm-hmm. And Whereas now, I don't. Ah. And when you were younger, do you remember any childhood beliefs about money other than you want to be strongly attached to it? Um, was it good? Was it bad? Uh, did you have to work hard to get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything was all, all all about um yeah money. If you want anything in life, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to earn it. You're gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to yeah um do do things what you can to get in a mainstream kind of environment. This whole um you know this kind of rotation of uh, birth, school, labor tax, and then kind of going into materialism a little bit. That, that, that's the upbringing that I had. Um, and that, and I, I only just broke that recently, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically it was that kind of mindset that mindset that you need money and you need the best kind of job and you need the platform, you need qualifications, you need paper 
yeah, paper's so important in this world. And did your mom really push you towards being a professional or getting a really like a really safe traditional job? Or was she supportive of do whatever you want and, and follow your bliss? I'd say that she tried to point me in the right path. I was a very, um, uh, I'd say, uh, I mean, at an early age, I was diagnosed with um, like ADHD and, you know, beha- I had many behavioral problems. So I always done kind of what I wanted and I didn't really, I rebelled against school quite a lot because <laughs> um, I think soulfully I didn't agree with certain perspectives and stuff. And I was quite, you know, um, a, a challenge. So, um, she, yeah, she pushed me and I, and I tried to do certain courses. She, she knew that I wanted to do catering, so I tried catering and it only lasted a couple of months. But there was that. But then I think we, it was a kind of mutual understanding that I will get on the right path, which which ended up being youth work, which I, I never actually knew that. So, But it was a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah, big time, yeah, growing up. Um, yeah, and it's all about just stepping into that creative mindset, which I've definitely come into when I was 18, but it took me a while and I rebelled so much. But yeah, I I think it was tough for my mum, really. (laughs) And do you remember any particular story when you were younger about an experience with money, whether you ended up getting a big amount of money uh, for a birthday or you had some kind... Do you remember like one of your early memories around money and you went like, wow, this is crazy? Yeah, I think one memory was... um, it was some inheritance money that I was getting and I was going to get when I was 18 and I knew about it for many years and I was always like reliant on that. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do that, it's going to be so much. And um, uh, originally it was 12,000 English pounds, um, which I don't know what that is in American dollars. Um, and yeah. yeah, and I was like really, you know, oh, I can't wait for this, it's going to be great. And as soon as, as soon as I got it, it was gone within, I think, four weeks, if that. And, and I'd been like creating this whole kind of, um, you know, a belief system in, in, my, in my head but that's when I realized that money can go so so quick and that you know I mean I sort of I learned it and then I forgot that lesson anyway because I'd, I'd, I'd sort of spent money and used it as energy but that that was that was one and that was only sort of you know two thousand pounds but I saw that as so much money I was like whoa and then it went really quick yeah uh, it goes so quick and that happens with a lot of people with inheritance uh, it disappears before you know it and you don't a lot of people end up not using it for anything because, you know, just for stuff, mm. uh, just in the moment. Um, what would you say now is your top financial worry, if any? The fact of having a roof and the basics is really what my fundamental worry would be with money. And because cause I, cause I quit my job in August, I've pretty much been living on, on, on the edge of, of yeah, of, of kind of nothing really. But having that trust and that faith, um, but yeah, it's the it's the basics. I think really. Um, I mean, I've managed to go without a car and all the things that we sometimes feel we need. But it's, it's the basics. That would be my real worry. And you know, if I was ever to have a family and, and stuff, that I wouldn't be able to support them. I think that would be my fundamental worry anyway. Yeah. And when you decided to put everything in a bag and just start traveling, did you have any worries at that point? In other words, like. A lot of people, that would be a very scary endeavor to just pack it up, put in a backpack, and just head out. Um, were there any fears? Were there any concerns? Or what was the overriding uh, driving force that said, it doesn't matter what any of any of this other stuff, here's why I'm going? Like, what was that like? Yeah. Well, it was, um, <clears throat> it was 
basically to me it was smashing anxiety and mental health full on in the face. I'd had enough of England. I'd had had enough of um, you know struggling and suffering and not being heard and stuff like that. So taking that leap of faith was very difficult. I think I had five thousand or four thousand pounds in my bank account, which to go travelling and then. You know, I always said, oh, I'm going to go for six months, but it might be a year. I might be two years. I mean, I was sitting here eight years later. And, you know, so th- there was that whole like leap of faith. And I remember when I turned up in Bangkok, I was like, oh my God, there's all like, it's just mayhem. <laughs> and, and, and it was real fear based because I knew that I would have to teach English as a foreign language to survive. And, and that's, I knew it and I, and I was anxious and worried, but I knew in the end I'd have to stand up and, teach and face all my fears. And it was all about facing fears. I just knew, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay in England being anxious, you know, having problems with drugs, alcohol and all that stuff? Or am I just going to put the bag on my back and get out and do it? And that's kind of where that where that happened. And my, my money, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'd done all of my money within the first three months. So yeah, and then I just, it was a holding on game. And then, yeah, it all eventuated into where I am now. But yeah, just it's all about smashing fears. I feel and using money as a as a as a tool, um, a mechanism of energy rather than you know um, thinking, oh, I have to have it to survive. Just know that it will come. That's the mindset I moved into. If if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then after you traveled around for a bit, what was it about Australia that you said this is a place where I could stay for a while? Indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, I soon as I found out the history and the just everything about indigenous. I didn't know any of it. I've always been so in my own head, in my own box in England. I didn't know this stuff had happened. I didn't know the history. I didn't know that that England and United Kingdom had, had, had you know, gone all around the world. And, and I'm like, whoa. And, and I, I just felt a real urge, a calling. I wanted to go and do youth work. I wanted to in, immerse myself in the culture. I wanted to learn what, what, um, you know, um, dreaming is like spiritual connections and all of this stuff. And I just, it was this calling. And I remember, I remember I was only in Australia for about uh, nine or 10 months. And I was like, I want to be a resident. I want to be a resident. And I just, I I was just like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. I knew that I needed to get in an indigenous community, prove myself and then ask the question, will you sponsor me? Which is, that's why I'm in Australia now. Um, without a doubt. And then, yeah, that, that job didn't work out, but I got another one and got sponsored. And I think I was in, in indigenous communities just over four and a half years, but it was definitely indigenous Australia, just that pure land, culture, spiritual feeling, that calling, everything about it. I just love it. There's a tribal part of me that just comes out. And yeah, that was, that's why I'm in Australia. That's awesome. And now that you've, you've been there and you've worked with indigenous people, if you look at the beliefs around money that maybe the the general population of England, uh, how they perceive money, and then how the indigenous people uh, relate to and see money, do you see any major differences? Yeah, major, <clears throat> major, major, major. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very. I've, I've seen a lot of things in indigenous communities, which is kind of quite common in communities where there'd, there'd be big payouts. So say if there's um, um, a mineral, like um, a mine on, on their land, uh, then the people in the community will get royalties. So every three months, every six months, and it'll be a lot of money. And, they'll, and, they, get, and they get used to this money because they're give, given the money. It's like they're, they're 
get, um, built houses and they're not used to this because they're, you know, they're very tribal back in the day. It's like, it's like, you know, coming along and giving loads of paper to people that have been living in a country for say a hundred thousand years and saying, Oh yeah, by the way, we're going to build your house and do this, 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 and this, even though you're used to, you know, proper tribal raw living. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen people get these monies and then, um, I've seen brands spanking new cars, like 60 grand Toyota Hiluxes and, and some beefy, nice cars and big four by fours. And then I see them a day or two later sometimes and they're in the street burnt out. I've had thrown, stones thrown through them. They've been set alight. And then the reasons for some of this is, is, is simple things like they run out of petrol and they left it and then loads of kids throw stones at it and stuff like that. And it's that mentality. Whereas many Australian, um, people would, would be like, Oh, you know, why they do that? Why they waste money? Why this? Why that? But then I see beyond that, I see the cultural fact that, I mean, how can you change a culture overnight? I mean, to me, if if I got thrown loads of money at every three to six months, I'm pretty sure I would only, if I worked, it would only be for my to fuel my actual passion, and it wouldn't just be to you know. So there's there's a lot of um kind of thought processes in Australia that oh you know they're lazy they're this they're that when and I, I can see a, a big difference and yeah it does come down to money in one way or another. I think everything comes down to money one way or the other, doesn't it? It does. It's uh, it's a pretty big factor in almost everybody's life, whether we want to recognize that or not. Uh, we make money decisions every day. Um, what would mm. what would you say were some of the other lessons that you've learned in being with the indigenous communities? Mm. Sharing, um, sharing definitely. Like uh, I remember when I when when I was but with. I don't know what I find in many Western cultures in, in, in where I'm from in England and Australia, there's a very much an individualized mindset. Uh, my money is mine. It's not yours. My food is mine. It's not yours. Um, my car, my this, my that. We label everything and I won't go too far on that, but, um, everything's mine. And, and when I was, when I was working, sometimes I would get my lunch and I'd sit there and I'd be doing the youth work and there'd be all these kids around and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I'm starving. And I'd sit there and they'd, they'd come in with their lunch and I'd sit there with my own, as we do, my own little lunchbox, whatever I'm eating, salad, chicken, whatever. And, um, and then the kids are, they're, they're like asking me for some. And I'm, I'm like, I'm in, in my mindset, I'm like, this is like my lunch. Why are you asking me for my dinner? It's like off my plate. And then I started realizing, I'm like, oh no, hang on. They all share everything. They share everything. They share their food, their water, their, their everything is shared. There's a, there's, there's, there's a whole culture of it. And it, and it, took me a long time sometimes it takes us a long time to get onto these things and um and i was just i was just amazed and and i've seen it everywhere i've gone in indigenous cultures it's 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 sharing some kinds of they, they call it they can call it humbug when when people expect you to you know give something and then it's not sometimes replicated but then that's a world that the western world we live in we give we expect back whereas um the cultures that i've seen in indigenous is it's sharing and sometimes it's not expected back it's um, unconditional sharing i suppose yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, yeah, that was a big eye opener for me. And I have got used to that. And it's a really good lesson for me as well, because that's, that's how I feel money is in my mindset. I don't feel that my money's mine. I feel that it's to give. And I feel that the divine universe will always give you back what you give out. So I feel it comes into spiritual a little bit as well. But yeah, sharing. Awesome. And, you traveled. You you went off, and you had four or five uh, four or five thousand pounds um, when you left. 
Is traveling a good idea for people out there that are like, oh, maybe I want to travel? They sort of think about it. Why should people travel uh, even if they don't have a lot of money? Because opportunities and doors open, you need to put yourself in the place to get the opportunity to go <laughs> to turn up into your face, basically, because um, you need to step outside the box. We don't all live in these... Well, we do live in a box. We've got to work in a box. We we work in a box. We do everything in a box, you know, kind of in one way or another. But sometimes thinking out the box and just going out there and doing it, you'll be surprised how many doors open. I mean, my resume when I left in 2013 compared to now, you would, you, you just, you, it's just unbelievable. You wouldn't even think that that was possible to reverse such things. You know, qualifications come your way. I, I didn't drive when I was back in England and I, drive a, I drove a bus within two years of traveling, you know, all these opportunities create themselves when you go out of the box you know um if we live in a so many people you know that we know in our hometown and they 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 they, they still drink in the same pub they still hang around with the same people there's this and they can't quite see what you can see just by stepping out and doing it you know even when many people go on these holidays you know they're all-inclusive resorts you don't really go outside the hotel all that stuff i was I was conditioned and programmed to have that mindset. But then as soon as I put the bag on my back and I went out, I'm like, I'd never do that again. I'd never go to an all-inclusive unless it was a family holiday, but I'd always make sure I'd take them out. I'd be like, no, come and see this village. Come and see this cultural. Look how they live. Look what's going on. Broaden your horizons, you know? So yeah, I hope, yeah, I hope that covers that question. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think traveling's amazing. Uh, what's one of the other two or three countries that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, Brazil, Kenya, and Taiwan. It was really an eye-opener. And yeah, Taiwan. But yeah, Brazil, Kenya, and Taiwan for different reasons, yeah. Yeah. And now that you're doing what you're doing and you and now you even quit your job as the head coach and all this stuff, and now you're writing, uh, was your mom super supportive of that? Was she freaked out? Did people back home say, what are you doing what are you doing? This is crazy. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my mum was like, she, I, I remember she's like, Matthew, are you sure? And have you have you thought this through? And I'm like, I'm like, literally, mum, I cannot handle my job and have this spiritual awakening. I can't do it. I can't go to work. I can't get told what to do no more. I'm not being told what to do. I want to do what's in my heart. I want to do what's in my passion. I want to do, you know, when I connect spiritually and I write things that I don't even know, I go into a zone. I call it five dimensional, you know, frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, how can I then go back to 3D and work my job and, you know, be, be organizing all of the team and, you know, teaching football to like loads of kids and then having that mindset and then coming back and changing my reality. There's only 24 hours in a day I need to sleep. And I'm like, I can't do it. I'm trusting. I'm trusting. And I just surrendered. And yeah, yeah. My company would like, seriously, <laughs> like you're just quitting just like that. Uh, but yeah, it's just having that, having that faith in the unseen divine is sometimes very, very difficult, scary. But again, it's all about turning up and stepping out and trusting, really. So, yeah, that's kind of how that went. And every day is, uh, yeah, money-wise, money's been pretty much non-existent. Anyone that would know me would think that I'm well off. Uh, It's not the case at all, at all. But I know that I'm going to create money and I know it's coming in. And I know that the imagination is one of the most powerful tools in the world. And I can say that through experience and writing and I, I could never speak like this even a couple of years ago um, before I made that move and just was like, no, quit my job. You know, I mean, I had a car, 
flights going out, uh, all my rent, loads of perks. It was um, it's just really, really, really good job. And f- I love football. So I was a head coach and I was like, no, what's more important to me was following my heart, my true heart's desire. Yeah. And for people that are listening, uh, uh, I, I don't know that like you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to follow my heart. Right. I'm going to follow my passion. I mean, it seems to me that there's a journey involved, uh, that you start doing exploration and things starting to become more clear. Um, or did that happen for you? Did you just, um, you know, one day, Oh, I'm going to follow my passion. Was, was there a journey that got you to that place? Yeah. 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 So basically it's a little bit of both on the 1st of December, 2019, I was literally woken up with voices in my head giving me um, flashbacks of my life and why things had happened and why I had anxiety. And the anxiety is actually more illusionary than we think and that it's actually something that we can easily, you know, kind of overcome in time. So it was a kind of spiritual awakening, but it, and that was at the very beginning of my, um, right near the start of my job working as an Indigenous football coach. So then, but it made me question each day and I, every day I'm like... <laughs> Why am I doing this? And, and then, and I was right. And that's when I started writing books in January of 2020. And I was doing this whole thing. I was writing books for 11 hours a day sometimes, like on and off, like, and mainly at night, sleeping a few hours and then working. And it was like, and then, so then that gradually doing that till from January until August, then August I broke. I was like, no, calm. And I was on an, I was on another, a, a, another trilogy by then. And I was like, no, 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 can't do it. Cause I don't know how I, how I managed to do that, but it was a journey, but it wasn't a long journey. It was like a nine month journey. And then I just, I was just like, nah, just broke. <laughs> and where do you get inspiration for your books? It's like, so you've written a trilogy or two, you've got all these things going on. Um, where do you get your inspiration? And what was the inspiration for the book? Just imagine. I'd written a trilogy in from February till uh, around about May 2020, and then another trilogy up until November. And then I had like six weeks off just recently, the last November in 2020. And then January the 1st, I, I, I just got woken up again. January the 1st this time, 2021. So just six or seven, six months ago. And um, the similar thing happened, but this time it was really vivid. It was like I was being told, the voice was saying, just imagine 11 chapters. It's going to take you 40 days and 40 nights to to write it. Um, it's going to, it's, you're going to be able to write whatever because you're going to call it a fantasy and all this stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, really? And then literally by the end of that day, I'd written, I'd, I'd written out the 11 chapters. I'd written half of chapter one, which ended up being chapter seven. So that's how just imagine happened. And the amazing thing, I couldn't even believe it. I'm like 40 days and 40 nights, really? Like, you know, cause you, we, we question these things, you know, some people could say, oh, you, you know, you're schizo, but you know, there's, there's more to this, there's more to this life, you know, in this physical reality. And, um, and yeah, and then 9th of February, I'm like, yeah, man, I think it's done. And I reread it and I, and I, and I, and I slowed myself down because normally I rush things, I rush everything, but just imagine I really took my time so much. Well, 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. 9th of February. And that was it done. Exactly that. So that's exactly how just imagine happened. And yeah, the wisdom that come out of me and the, and the prophecy of what, heaven on earth looks like and what future we're going to be stepping into was profound. I, I mean, I had tears loads of times when I was writing because the spiritual connectivity is, it's, it's hard to explain. It really is, but it gives me a lot of faith in life though. 
And what would you say to people out there that are having these dreams or they're having this calling, uh, but they, it's safer to keep your nine to five job. It's better because everybody's going to be happy that you're doing the right thing. What would you say to those people out there? There's, there's YouTube videos out there, spiritual minded people that are talking a lot of talk. Um, there's your intuition. I, I would say pray, uh, prayer and manifestation are significantly powerful right now. You can, anyone can test it just in the morning. You could, you could say, ask, ask a question. Just ask any question. I do it every time. I just do a meditation every day. I use binaural beats. So it's a lazy meditation. I'll just lie there and it's binaural beats and it, it aligns your brainwave frequencies into a theta frequency. So you, you know, you can go into a higher realm. And I always ask a question at the start and I always get the answers by the end within 30 minutes. And it's, inspiring and it's amazing and and that's when you believe in yourself you believe that there's more to you there's more of a higher self and that we only live in a tiny fraction of our mind capacity and that there's a load a lot more and there's an aura there's chakra system and everything so yeah what i'd say is just trust and and try it journaling is just phenomenal you can journal and when and i get to the point now where i write something and i don't know what the next word will be because it comes through me so I don't know. I'll have a blank bit of paper and I'll write, I'll be like, right, I'm going to write this because, you know, the labeled self is like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, I've got to plan everything because everything has got to be just right. And then I'll write and it's completely different, but so much better every single time. And that's the trust and the faith that I feel that if you had, if you're thinking about what am I doing? Where am I going? Nine to five. What is it really doing to me? How much, how much? time am I away from my family? How much money am I really saving? How many bills am I just doing just to hold my head above water? Am I really drowning? Am I sinking? Am I swimming? What am I doing? I want to be sailing or flying, you know? And just having that time to go within and your answers will come. And yeah, anyone can do a prayer, you know, in the morning, I'll do it a couple of minutes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I hope people out there that are feeling the calling will, uh, will take the call. (laughs) And, and, and move towards, yes, move yeah. towards what, uh, fuels them, feeds their soul. Um, all right. We're, we are going to shift the energy slightly. We're going to jump into, uh, fast five. We're getting, um, believe it or not, we're getting towards, uh, towards our time. Um, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, uh, what would you say? Look around, see what's really happening within your heart and your soul and your spirit. See where the world's going. Understand that there's a dark, there's dark energy and that there might be a lot more that you don't see to this reality. Um, that's actually causing you to have anxiety, depression, separation, division. And once you come from a heart space and realize that there's an, like an energetic war between kind of like angels and demons and that everything's kind of illusionary based, then just look and go within. And do you really want to be doing a nine to five and doing the same thing every single day just to live for the weekend? And then at the weekend, you get depressed about Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you had to live anywhere other than Australia, <laughs> where would you, what country would you choose and why? I think Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, Hawaii, just that, yeah, just the island lifestyle and yeah, just, just that feeling. I feel that, um, Hawaii is the remnants of, of Lemuria, like, um, and it's got a real spiritual energy and a calling, but, um, but my, my real spiritual calling is Peru. But if I was to live anywhere, maybe I'll flick between the two, Hawaii and Peru. Awesome. That'd be cool. Well, they have more pineapples in Hawaii. So, uh, <laughs> if that, that yeah, might be the game changer for pina coladas. Uh, um, what would, yeah. what would you not hesitate to spend a thousand dollars on? nutritious food yeah Yeah. i I think yeah nutritious food is so important i was going to say water but that's because i buy my own water but yeah yeah food 
nutritious food. That's yeah, that's not a bad investment. Not a bad investment. Uh, in your travels, where has money gotten you out of trouble? Getting getting away, as in traveling. I've had the money to get out and go to a country and do like walks in like Annapurna or Everest Base Camp, you know, that sort of stuff. That's when money's got me out of my head <laughs> because I've been able to go. Okay. Yeah. And are there any places when you've traveled that money has gotten you into trouble? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say, yeah, F- Philippines, um, sometimes certain substances are too readily available and temptation after alcohol can lead to bad decisions with where money's con- concerned. And if you've got a lot of money, especially in a country that you don't need much money, yeah, bad choices. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, we're at our M&M moment. So that money and motivation piece. Is there a piece of practical financial advice or a piece of wealth wisdom that you could offer to our listeners that you found personally beneficial? Always carry spare, spare credit cards and spare cash, I'd say, always. Um, I hide... Mm, should I say this? <laughs> yeah, so uh, have, have just, you know, be open-minded with where you might put cash and have backup when you travel. Always have backup. You don't know what corruption is going to happen. There's, there's these, some of these countries, um, you could get stopped at any point and uh, you could end up in jail if you haven't got cash, if you meet the wrong person and just have that open mindset that money get money can get you out of anything. It really can, especially in certain countries. So that'd be, that, that'd be the one. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely true. I've hidden money in many, many places when I've traveled. So, uh, Cause you never know. Um, and especially when you're traveling exactly. with just a backpack, like I didn't think about this, but when I was in Africa and I had a backpack, people that saw me and my friend knew that everything we had was either in our backpack or on our person. So <laughs> it wasn't like I had a couple of, uh, of, you know, trailers behind me. So, uh, yeah, hide the money, hide the money. Um, well, you know, Matthew, it's it's one of the things that I really love about what you're talking about, and what you're sharing, and is the fact that you're following your passion, or maybe not even so much following your passion, but you're following your heart. Like you're listening to what feels true instead of outside influences that are telling you stay in the box, work the job, but that you're trusting this inner piece that says trust the universe trust what's coming. It will be provided. And that these, even in these indigenous communities where sharing and not separating, going mine, mine, yours, yours, and, and, and really about community, like is, is sort of where maybe we could all do a little more soul searching and be a little more connected to what our heart's telling us instead of what our friends and family uh, or society is telling us what to do. I, I love that you are taking risks and following that that calling to just pack up your bag, get on a plane and smash your fears. You know, just head towards those things that uh, that you fear. Where can people find you on social media and online? Where can people find your book? And can you, sh- you I think you have a copy of your book. Oh yeah. 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 So this is this is just imagine the hard the hardback copy. Um, yeah, just, I just made it quite, quite, quite nice and simple because it's called Just Imagine. So I didn't really want anything to spark your imagination on the front cover. Yep. And where can people find you online? Yeah. So finding me, I've got a Facebook page. Um, it's called Just Imagine. Um, but it's www.facebook.com 
um, slash the 13th light warrior is how you'd find me. But if you put just imagine in Facebook, it will come up with a page. And um, my personal Facebook is Matt with one T, Broster, B-R-O-S-T-E-R. And it's exactly that same name for LinkedIn, um, YouTube, the 13th light warrior. And um, yeah, my website um, is just just getting sorted now. It's going to be www.matthewjcbroster.com, which is my full author name, Matthew with just one T, um, J.C. Broster, B-R-O-S-T-E-R. So that's that's where I'm mainly engaging with with that at the moment. But my main one is my Facebook page, which is showing all the orphanage work that I'm doing because 75% of, of my hard hard copies go straight to the orphanages that I'm working mainly in Africa at the moment. Um, there's four, four places, uh, Cameroon, Nairobi, uh, Mombasa, and Rwanda. I'm doing a Create Your Own Nike uh, art competition at the moment. Um, but by the time this this goes out, um, I would have been really in that process. There's like there's going to be loads of photos, loads of footage. This is where I'm sending the money to. I'm trying to bring that community together in different places and it will grow and grow and grow. So yeah, that's what's on my Facebook page. That's that's like the main one. And then obviously the website to, to actually buy the book. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to post all of that so people can find you, people can buy your book and people can help uh, support the orphanages and all the good stuff that you're doing. Um, I just want to say to our, our audience, please don't forget to share the love. You can like, follow and share on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. Follow this podcast on your favorite podcast player or visit Spotify and search for Money You Should Ask or click on the link in the description. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. For more tips, tools or to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us. I so appreciate it. Cool. Thank you as well. Thank you so much. 